Hello, and thank you for joining LTC DON Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Post-Acute Care Nursing, APACN. I'm your host, Amy Stewart, Vice President of Education and Certification Strategy for APACN. And I'm here today with Rick Russell, President and CEO of Hospice of Northwest Ohio. And we are here to discuss the role of hospice in nursing facilities. Welcome, Rick. Thanks for having me. So hospice is and can be a delicate subject. How should our listeners approach the subject of hospice? Well, most families understand the prognosis and the journey that their loved ones are on, and patients understand that too. So the best way to approach these conversations is really to help understand and ask them to define what they want their care to look like. And usually when you start to talk about that care and what their goals are and what their expectations are about what they would like to happen if they get an infection or if they get diagnosed with a serious illness, they start to define the care that really lines up with hospice. So we find that those conversations are incredibly telling and that they define the benefit and they help us define our plan of care. So those conversations are best had as these patients are starting to question their diagnosis, question their care, to really help understand and define that care. I really like that. That was very well put. Thank you very much, Rick. What do our nurse leaders need to know about hospice eligibility for their residents? The simplest way to look at it is, would you be surprised if this patient resident passed away in the next six months? If you can honestly say that you would not be surprised, then it's really time to start looking at what's going on with the patient and digging a little deeper. We have these wonderful local coverage determinations from our Medicare intermediaries, but at the end of the day, they only cover approximately 70% of the terminal conditions that we run into. So nothing really replaces that provider input, whether it be a physician, a nurse practitioner, a physician's assistant, but most importantly, the caregivers at the bedside. They see those declines. They see that the patient is not getting around as well as they used to. They see that they're eating less. They see that they're losing weight. Those subtle changes really mean more to us in a hospice capacity than those diagnostic tests, which are very helpful, but those diagnostic tests are really supportive information. When we're trying to determine eligibility, we want to look at the entire picture. So we want to know what are those caregivers seeing on a daily basis. All the diagnostic information is wonderful, but that bedside insight is really critical for us. I appreciate you saying that because as a longtime skilled nursing facility nurse, I've always felt that the frontline care workers, whether it be CNAs or nurses, or even input from people such as activities or environmental services, they all provide really important information about the well-being of that resident. So I appreciate that. One of the things that often comes up when we talk about hospice is what's covered by hospice? 
Can you go into a little bit about what's covered? So the hospice benefit really is all inclusive and it covers anything that is related to the terminal prognosis. For example, so when we're looking at your know, medications that are related to the care that we provide, those are covered under the hospice benefit. It is rare since 2009 when the Medicare regulations changed, it's rare that we see medications that aren't covered by the hospice benefit, but there are a few. So medications are really a key component to that. Any medical equipment that's required to help support and provide comfort for a patient is included in the benefit. Any supplies, medical supplies that are needed to help maintain comfort and dignity and really to help support quality of life are covered. So medications, supplies, DME, and then all of our services. So the hospice benefit really includes, from the agency standpoint, nurse case manager services, our physician services, whether it be our medical director to provide oversight for the care. And occasionally the families will choose to have our physicians act as their attending provider or our nurse practitioners act as the attending provider. And we're happy to do that. Although the benefit really is designed to link their patient's primary care physician with our physician providers. But if that physician is not comfortable or if there are concerns about that, our physicians are certainly willing to step in. So medical services are covered. Social services provided by the hospice are covered. Personal care services provided by our hospice aides is 100% covered. And we have many, many other services that are available, you know, spiritual services. We have bereavement services that will continue for 13 months post the death of the loved one for the family. And then alternate therapies, we have massage, music, physical therapy, speech, occupational therapy, all of those services that are really defined by the hospice plan of care must be covered by the hospice, and we are compelled to do so by the Medicare regulations. That's really great information. I was not aware that the bereavement services lasted beyond that of, you know, just while the resident was alive. And you've listed so many services that are provided by hospice, but are there any services that hospice can provide that our listeners may not be aware of? So really, the determination of whether something is going to be covered is case by case, and it is after the conversation between the patient, the family, and the hospice. For example, there are some cases where someone has a terminal diagnosis of, let's say, cancer, and they have a lot of pain. Now, typically radiation therapy is considered curative, but in some cases that radiation therapy can be considered palliative to help support some management of pain, and that would be covered by the hospice. So it gets a little tricky at times, but it really, at the end of the day, when you look at it, if the goal of the treatment, if the goal of the care, if the goal of the therapy is to provide comfort and palliation of symptoms, it should be covered by the hospice. Now, there's one thing from the post-acute industry standpoint that is not covered, and it really is the cause of a lot of confusion, is room and board. So room and board services in a long-term care facility are never covered by the hospice while they're on routine care. So if they're under routine level of care, which is our basic level of care, and more than 90% of our patients are on that on every single day, room and board services are not covered. So think of it this way. 
if we're caring for a patient in the home, we're not paying for their mortgage. We're not paying their rent. The same goes if the patient's in a long-term care facility. That room and board services is up to the patient and family to cover. So that is something that's really a little bit of confusion. Now, that's for the routine level of care. For higher levels of care, let's say, for example, a patient is at home and wants to have a respite stay in a long-term care facility, those respite services are covered by the hospice. That's a five-day benefit, really is to give family a little break. Um, maybe there's a special occasion or they just need a rest. That is a benefit that's covered 100% uh, by the hospice and that would include room and board. Now there's an acute level of care too, without going into a lot of detail, but that general inpatient where we're doing some active symptom management in a long-term care facility is also covered by hospice and that room and board would be included because we're expecting the facility to help us manage those symptoms and provide a higher level of care. Similar to what would we would see in a Medicare skilled day in a long-term care facility. That's very informative. I was not aware of a lot of the things that you mentioned, including the respite care. So I think that that's a great benefit for those who are receiving hospice at home. Before we wrap things up today, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? You know, generally speaking, the hospice benefit is accessed too late. And all of the wonderful services that we talk about all the time and that I've mentioned here in the last few minutes take time to put in place. But nationwide, half of the patients that are enrolled in hospice leave our service in less than 20 days. And that is not enough time to realize the full benefit of hospice. So if there's anything that I could do, if I had a magic wand, I would help people understand that you know, let's access that benefit sooner. Let's figure out how we can get the message out to patients and families. And a lot of times people look at that definition or look at that decision-making process as to giving up of hope, but really isn't giving up hope. It's changing the way you look at the journey and it's changing the way that you're looking at their goals for care. And if we can understand those patients and families and understand that loved one and what that goal and what that journey looks like, matching up hospice services should be an easy decision. But again, it has to match the goals of the patient and the family. And if I had uh, one wish, that would be to help those families understand that sooner because the families are usually the barrier to electing hospice services. They want to hold on to hope. They don't want to feel like they're giving up. And if the patient or resident usually holds on for them, just getting them on the same page usually makes all the difference in the world. Rick, I have learned so much today from you, and I know that you are a very busy person and you do such great work out there. So thank you for taking your time today to share this information with our listeners. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This partnership is really critical to the hospice industry. And it is really meaningful for me to get this message out to all. I could not agree more. Thank you. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. For more resources and tools for nurse leaders, please visit our website at www.aapacn.org. 
To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the LTC DON Chat Podcast. Heard the news about how you can improve quality care and increase efficiency with Ability? Ability offers a range of applications to simplify the complexity of healthcare, allowing organizations of all types and sizes to spend more time on care and less time manually collecting, analyzing, and reporting data. This allows you to remain in compliance while making data-driven decisions that benefit residents. With Ability, your facility can improve resident outcomes, optimize reporting data, enhance reimbursements, and much, much more. Discover what Ability has to offer at abilitynetwork.com slash a pack-in.